Ah, it's good to be back. Three weeks uh, uh, downtime for unforced errors is never a nice thing. Uh, chair's still comfy. Uh, microphone's still working. And hang on. Who the fuck burned down my church? <laughs> uh, welcome back to Motorsport 101. No, but seriously, gentlemen, who the fuck burned down my church? Oh, no, actually, ask the MGUK department at Ferrari. Yeah, I uh, I seem to recall Mattia Bonotto running away with a can of kerosene <laughs> in his hand. Ah, uh, the can said, made in Monaco. Uh, that ex- <laughs> Monaco! That, that explains a lot. Hi, everybody. I'm Andre Harrison. Remember me? I used to host this podcast every once in a while. I'm back! Hello, everybody! It's been- Welcome back. <laughs> It's been a long three weeks, but I have returned to restore order and bring balance to the force. I am your friendly neighbourhood host, Mr. Andre Harrison, and uh, it's a pleasure to be back. Thank you to everyone who sent me well wishes and uh, talking about how much I've been missed. Even King went out of his way to send me a nice <laughs> we miss you message, which clearly means either he's high or I've actually made a positive impact. I'm not quite sure which is which. Who knows? We'll, we'll slap that hang in the air. That's, who knows? Could be both, <laughs> quite frankly. <laughs> Introducing my uh, motley panel of stand-ins, who I'm very grateful for for standing in so brilliantly in the last two weeks. I was listening in the background. They, they did a tremendous job. I am very grateful for them. Mr. Ryan King, hello, sir. Oh, my God. Do, doing doing fine. Um, weird things happened. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the big implication during the show, but non-show related. I think my NFL team might be okay. America's team, the New York Football <laughs> Jets. Skip! Sam Donald comes back from a hellacious bout of mono and downs the Cowboys. Delicious. That's the first time I've ever rooted for an AFC East team that wasn't mine. It was we, beautiful. We stand. The, the New York Jets? Huh? <laughs> Am I drunk? <laughs> Wait a minute. I the Buffalo Bills are hold on five and one through their first sixteen games with a quarterback who was just scouted because he was tall. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he was deceptively fast, RJ. We know the lingo. Deceptive and a, speed and a backup the- running back who is one hundred and sixty-three. <laughs> Wait, who's running? Who's, uh, who, who's we running have Frank? Go- we have Frank Gore on our team. Frank He's Gore is still, still in the a league. Thing? <laughs> Not only is Frank Gore still in the league, he is ascending up the all-time rushing list. Oh my god! <laughs> Frank Gore is ageless. Send that man to Canton. Hello, RJ. Thank you for such a brilliant job in in in, in, ho- in holding my keys for the last fortnight. <clears throat> you're you're very welcome. Although I will say, uh. Uh, Fortnite has Fortnite has gone down. Fortnite is dead. Long live Fortnite Chapter Two. <laughs> I would have more uh, incendiary. I would have more incendiary gaming takes, but um, I have been asked by a uh, certain uh, Blizzard Entertainment not uh, to refrain from uh, from speaking my mind on that. 
Pro Hong Kong. Um, no, sorry. Oh, shit. I think my Patreon money just went down to zero. Um, sh- shit. Um, quick. Angry substitute cam. Like, some situation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gotta go over there. Gotta go load the damn shotgun. Why do you have to say what you said? <laughs> I don't know. Blame Daryl Mori for it. Like... <laughs> Oh, dear. Hello, Cam. Good to see you, sir. How are you? Um, one extremely sunburnt boy here. Same. Of course. Because uh, RJ, myself, and many others who you've heard on the past in the past here, we were at Petit Le Mans. That was As a good old time. That was a great time. And also, yeah, not a lot of melanin between us, as you could tell by the sunburn. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I was like, the non melanin 50% of this show clearly was suffering. Um, <laughs> we'll get into the Petit Le Mans in just a little bit because I've had a lot of people that have wanted me to talk about a whole bunch of things, and I said I'd do it in the top of the show. I promised I would. I promise I'll get around to it. Just bear me with me just a second. I'm going to get through the housekeeping first, real quick. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101, and I actually made a video. On Ferrari's drama in uh, in Russia in 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 the downtime. So if you want to check that out, um, you can absolutely feel free to do that. That'd be awesome. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow our handles personally, um, you can at uh, Harrison 101HD at Ryan Eric King. That's in two Ks at RJ O'Connell. And that's Cam Buckley 917. Just yank out the vowels. It will make sense. Um, I, I love the really... hesitation as well, by the way, Zarn Interject. I love the hesitation between... If you really, really like us, you can follow us. You can. <laughs> if you really do. Like, like it is hazardous. I'm just, like, I'm just throwing it out there. Um, <laughs> and if you really, really like us, you could back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 I, I, I don't know whether I should take this as a good thing or a bad thing but we had two new backers in the three weeks I was away um, thanks for enjoying the show without my presence I suppose <laughs> like, um, oh it's my special brand uh, of wrath uh, sp- special thanks to Lewis and special thanks to Erlin Lord sorry if I pronounced your name wrong there thanks for backing us financially on Patreon you guys are the best much much appreciated um, five dollars gets you early access to our um, to our, all our shows uh, that are available on there, and ten dollars gets you into the supporters club of our Discord server, where you can listen to these shows live as they go out. Special shout out to Vince, James, Henry, and Jason for listening in as always. Much appreciated. Really, it's the best way you can interact with the show, quite frankly. So if you want the backers at that level, you can, and you can be in there. Basically, it's it's a fun time for all involved. Um, and of course, you can get all of those, all of that details on our website, Motorsport 101. I've also written the first part of a new series on there in the last few days ago. I called it the Twilight Zone. Basically, major motorsports is over for the year already because every major series has already been wrapped up or is on the brink of being wrapped up. Hi, Lewis Hamilton. Um, so I thought I was just, I was, thought I'd just spend a few few thousand words going over each major series. Part one is up right now on that. Um, it's, it's called the Twilight Zone. It's on World Superbikes. Um, you know, Top Rank Raskotioglu's first series win in in Magni Core, Ray's fifth title. The, the the basically how the tea leaves are starting to form for 2020. 
including, you know, a little bit of talk about Alex Lowe's, who since the time that column has been written has now been confirmed at Kawasaki, um, alongside Jonathan Ray for next year. All of that fun stuff in there as well. And you can check out a piece that RJ wrote as well a couple of days ago on Naoki Yamamoto, who we'll mention a little bit more in the F1 section, because he had a very prominent F1 debut this, this past Friday at Suzuka. Um, all that and much, much more on there, as always. I'll try and keep this section brief because I know a, a bunch of people have been asking me, Dre, what did you make of Mark Marquez? What did you make of Jonathan Ray? Um, a certain discussion that I may have had with a former Formula One driver a week prior. Um, oh, Lord. Oh, God. We did mention it on the show, so... Yeah, I know you did. I know Dre wasn't here, so you can always go back and listen to that episode if you want to hear all our thoughts on that. Yeah, if you want to hear everything regarding that, listen to last week's episode. Um, I was not I was only there in spirit, unfortunately, but to be fair, the boys covered pretty much everything that I wanted to say anyway regarding the situation. Um, but uh, I'll get to the good stuff first. First of all, congrats to Mark Marquez on world title number eight. Um a brilliant race in Thailand. You know, Fabio Quattararo must be really getting sick and tired of getting beaten at the final corner like that. Poor fella. Um, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of dented gas tanks now. He keeps punching his gas tank over the line every race. <laughs> He's having a crying fit every time the man finishes in second. It's ridiculous. I mean, although it says a lot when even his peers like Maverick Vinales is saying he should be on a factory Yamaha. Although I'd argue that bike might be worse at the moment, um, which I think is quite funny. But no, congrats to Marquez. Title celebration was cool as all shit. I did have the funny joke that Gavin Emmett did where I was thinking, hey, does he have to give the title back if he if he goes in off? Um, <laughs> if he, if that, he, was the, that was the most clutch thing he's done in his career. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Um, I was hoping more of, the sh- of shaking the Magic 8 ball, but the pool table reference is... Uh, a good one, although I must think that must be quite intimidating to drive past an entire structure containing a pool table, like, for 26 laps of a Grand Prix. Like, that must be a little bit pressure-inducing, just having that in the background as you go down the back straight. Um, <laughs> which I thought was yeah, cool. just that, that looming shadow of, yeah, if I don't win this, that's going to be packed up and shift. <laughs> Packed, oh, to God. be fair, it, it'd be being packed up and shipped out to Mategi. There's, there's worse places you could go through to for a coronation. He's already had two there before. Um, Not like it's <laughs> Honda's home track or anything. No, it helps. You know, just you know, just one for the Thailand fans instead. And to be fair, the roar from the Thailand fans on that final lap was one of the loudest I've ever heard on a, on a Grand Prix live in action. The Thai fans love their bike racing. Please never leave this place. It produces great racing. But look, I've said it before. I think he's the greatest motorcycle rider this sport's ever seen. And I think he's going to break almost every record in the book. I think Agostini's 15 might be the only one that's even up for debate at this point. Even Valentino's admitted it's a matter of when rather than if he breaks all of his records at this point. He's a phenom. He's an absolute phenom. I think he's pound for pound the king of motorsport right now yeah you think how whoever is the most dominant in any form of motorsport you can think of they're not as dominant as mark marquez no he's 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 ridiculous and i think you know what's ironic the only guy that might be in his postcode is jonathan ray who won his fifth world title at the time i was gone as well over at magni core a couple weeks back um again jonathan probably the greatest of his of his five titles in a row that he's won to come back from 61 points down in Haref 
to win to be he's now got a 141 championship point lead after Argentina which trust me was incredibly spicy we'll get to it later on in the show but um what can you say about Jonathan that hasn't already been said the, like again if there was any argument left that he wasn't the greatest superbike rider of all time sorry foggy um it's, it's Jonathan Ray. F- five straight world titles Five years in a row with Kawasaki. This was his greatest threat yet, and he steamrolled Alvaro Bautista um, in the second half of the season. In fairness, and Bautista kind of steamrolled himself at the same time. He You're did. supposed to Bautista bomb the competition, not yourself. In- indeed. And, you know, I, I, I don't see any threat for Jonathan on the horizon anytime soon. And hey, if there's a plus, if Mo Farah gets, gets up getting caught for doping in the end after his coach got done, maybe we can give Jonathan that sports personality of the year he missed out on a couple of years ago. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Hi, Salazar. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but uh, no, congrats to Jonathan on that. Cool celebration, like the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Good reference there. Because no one has ever won five World Superbike titles. He is the very first. A, a true moment of history there in World Superbikes. And long may it continue. He's probably going to get to something near 100 wins by the end of the next season, which is just a terrifying thought. Uh, and I know Super Pole races actually count now for some silly reason when they thought we thought they weren't, and yada, yada, yada. That was still winning them. They told us they they didn't count, and then they changed their minds and said, "Oh yeah, they do count now because they've now put them on all their guys' win records." I just I, I don't understand. Bruh. It's whatever. It's 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 whatever. But like I said, tune back in later on. Wattsy Blacks will talk about their Argentina race weekend, and it was a uh, interesting one <laughs> in two different classes as well because like. A accusation of uh, team biases was only the second spicy thing to come out of that weekend. Yeah, it was deep, to say the least. And <sighs> I have to talk about this a little bit because I, I didn't expect to be to be uh, getting into a verbal throwdown with Mark Webber on Twitter regarding his idiotic comments regarding trans people and the very, very, very minor... Um, statistic of detransitioning and you know whatever joke he wanted to make about the topic. As as I said, uh, the first one you could you could interpret it as a shitty misinformed joke. The second one was him pulling the equivalent of "I can't be racist. I have black and Hispanic friends." Yeah, he he doubled down in his own ignorance, and I think that was horrendously stupid i got a lot of tweets from people saying oh sorry it's actually really really funny oh my lord i I got that from about 40 people from who were tweeting me and actually found my girlfriend and started tweeting her abuse as well which i did not fucking take kindly to including one of one former um zero time world champion eddie fucking irvine yeah, um, uh, it's basically telling my missus to wind her neck in, which is just classic. It's like one step away from from a guy telling a girl, "Yeah, you belong in the kitchen." Basically, it's just, it's just, it's fucking ridiculous. And all I will say on because to be fair, I'm not going to talk about this very much because one, it was mostly mentioned on last week's show. Me not being there wouldn't have made much of a difference. But what I will say is, is that this show is a full backer and supporter of trans rights it is a full believer in using the correct pronouns given you're recording this on happy pronouns day it is very important look the bar is really fucking low when it comes to things like this like either 
treat everybody with basic human decency and call them what they wish to be called, or shut the fuck up and don't say anything about it if you don't care. That's it costs a- you nothing to be quiet. It costs you nothing to be quiet. And it costs you incredibly little to just be a decent person. The bar is incredibly low. I don't... You know what? I don't claim to be a comedian, but I'd like to think I have enough confidence where I can crack jokes without pissing off a large group of people that listen to this show, are listeners of ours, and that care deeply about what content we come out with. I've said this from day one. Motorsport 101 is a show for everyone, and we practice what we preach in that on this show. If that bothers you, this is not the show for you. And I'm totally okay with that, because we, we all know there's a hundred places you can get your news. I'd like to think you listen for us, you know, and for what we bring to the table as personalities, as podcasters, as hosts, as pseudo-journalists, whatever you want to call us. You know, besides twat, which, which, which I did get quite a lot last week. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying they're wrong, but... <laughs> but I was saying, but my I'm, inbox, <clears throat> my, my mentions were a little bit spicy. They were, and you know you know, I will, I will happily take that bullet for people that have to go through this fight every single day. Um, I said it on Twitter at the time, I will repeat what I said on there on here. Like, I am a straight, cisgendered man. Um, you know, that's not a badge of honour. That's not something that I use as a shield or as a defense mechanism. I, I am like I am very lucky that I am of a sexual preference and identity that isn't bullied, harassed, even treated as a crime for what they believe in or for who they are. Right? That's not my fight. That is for people in that group as a fight in the LGBT community. They have to fight that every single day. That Mark Webber story blew over in 24 hours. That fight never ends for people in that community. And if I can take a bullet for them every once in a while, I will do that with, ironically, pride. Because they are listeners of the the people that that are supporters of this show. I love them all very much, and and I want this show to be a safe space for them. Um, So, you know... This show is for everyone. I I believe that from the bottom of my heart. And Mark Webber, you're a piece of shit, quite frankly. And I I will I would happily say it to your face. And I sincerely hope Channel Four find out about this one day and not invite you back because there should be greater consequences if if you considering he works for a channel that quote takes a lot of pride in being a part of that community and, and endorsing people of the LGBT community, but yet wants to give paychecks to someone that jokes about that community itself. So uh, I hope Channel 4 gets a hold of this somewhere at some point, and I hope they sack him. Um, and I have no problem saying that. I don't care. I hope the man loses his job, because I think he's a piece of shit, and he deserves to be treated as such. Anyway, <laughs> welcome back, everybody. <laughs> um, That's, uh... Let's back it down just a little bit. Oh, just, just, oh, it's good to be back. I've missed it. RJ. The floor is yours. Talk to me about Petit Le because I know you guys had a great time out there. And, you God, know. that was such a good time. Okay, a little bit of homework for y'all. 
Um, and I know we're going to plug friend of the show, co-host Emeritus Adam Johnson, because he put up a vlog on his YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ajcantfail, about Petit Le Mans. Go watch that when you can. Y'all, Petit Le Mans was a good time, and he was even better with friends. Oh, it was Cam. such a good time. Oh my I, goodness! I, I couldn't. I couldn't have had a better time, except for one thing, which we will get into because Peepo Durrani is now dead to me. Oh, <laughs> oh Lord! Could, couldn't have had a better time, and couldn't have spent it with better people. From the moment we all united in the middle of a mall in Lawrenceville, Georgia, uh, in front of a Burger King, no less. Quality Burger King, that one. Yes, quality from the time we all had to leave and I was having to just, like, drive through Atlanta traffic just to get Cam to the airport in time for him not to miss his flight. Yeah, um, thank, very thankful for long boarding lines because if that wasn't the case, I was going to have to track down Adam and get some money from him to take a flight home. What a good weekend. <laughs> great race, great atmosphere. I, I, I can't say enough. If you've never been to an IMSA event, like, from the time you go, like, walk throughout the paddock, it's completely open. You can just check out the cars and talk with the teams and drivers and personnel at your leisure. You can go walk the grid an hour before the start of the race and get to touch the cars as you're walking on past. Don't break them. You you can touch them, but don't break them, you know? Yeah. I, um, I got to shake hands and get a picture with my boy father of Norman, and Indy 500 champion Simon Paginot. Johnson got a cor- his Corvette racing cape flag signed by father of Kevin, Yan Magnuson, and got a diecast signed by Rodney Sandstorm himself, Jordan Taylor, and didn't even oh, realize it. it was him. Yeah, yeah, okay. I had to stop him because I went over, I saw it was Jordan Taylor, and I'm a huge fan of the Wayne Taylor racing crew. Shook his hand, wished him good luck. Got Adam over there. He shook his hand. I'm like, Adam, what the fuck are you doing? You just bought a Wayne Taylor diecast. Get it signed. I had to play the role of press double agent. So I was there Thursday when Chevrolet unveiled to the press for the first time the new Chevrolet Corvette C8R racer that'll be at this event next year and throughout the IMSA schedule and the 24 hours of Le Mans. It's beautiful in person by the way yeah it, it really perfect I, I don't think pictures do it justice and i don't think video does the sound justice it ain't the same it ain't the angry rumble of the gods but it does make a nice noise you know what else doesn't video and radio do not do justice to the, the track itself yeah the track you do not realize how much elevation change there is it's like a roller coaster i think adam mentioned in his uh mm. in his video there is an terrific amounts of elevation change all over the track i posted a video of a hot lap that i did with bmw usa i got to ride shotgun in an m5 competition on a lap around road atlanta and i could tell that the guy was serious about his driving because he was using all the track and then some i'll tell you um the climb up the hill to the s's from the first corner damn near snapped my neck and I was having a blast the entire time. Yeah, I think we all had a permanent smile from the minute we walked into the track and race day until the, we were leaving the track. 
think it was Tony that said that Adam Johnson felt like a kid on Christmas Day, and that was that was what was the best part about it was just just the good times, the perpetual joy of just being in our element, being our best selves. Yes, we were sunburned. Some of us had to deal with constant joint shoulder pain, but it was all worth it. Yeah, and uh, one thing video doesn't do justice to, the 911 RSR really is that loud. Holy shit. <laughs> loud enough that it drowns out everything around it. The Corvettes, the prototypes, everything. Yeah, the Corvette is known for its loud, low resonance, but the Cor- but the Porsche, it's just so high-pitched and it screams over the top of everything else. And that's something I know when I when I went to this race last time in 2017, but it was good getting reacquainted with it. Yeah, um, I was breaking out into laughter just about every time it went by during the race. It's so loud. <laughs> oh my goodness! I uh I got to go into the Ivory Media Tower, the new Michelin Media Tower. That was a good time. Um, ironically, myself and Chris. We were seated next to each other in the media booth. Oh, yes. <clears throat> it was always meant to be. Jesus, it's just like, huh, what a coincidence. It's like they knew. <laughs> oh, my God. It was and- always meant to be, eh? <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Oh, dear. I'm, 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 I'm gutted I couldn't be out there for it. You guys sound like you had an amazing time. Yeah, I um, have to say, one of my favorite parts, I hop after qualifying day with everyone, including yeah. RJ, Adam, Steve, and his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, they weren't there. No, Steve and Savannah were not there. Yeah. Um, it was, it was, it was I like us. you've already forgotten who was there, and it was only like three days <laughs> you know, ago. <laughs> look, there, a lot happened. A lot happened. Yeah, we, we almost we, we almost went to the wrong IHOP because no, there were two we went IHOPs to the in wrong the IHOP. One that had burned down. <laughs> <laughs> Again, how does an IHOP burn to the ground? Someone ask Scott Dixon, please. Um, <laughs> syrup syrup is very combustible, as it turns out. Very. What, are we asking Emma about this or? <laughs> oh lord! I'm Sorry. not asking it. I'm not asking the question. Y'all can do it. So I'm saving that one for Chris. That sounds like it's right up his alley. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Like, also, I, I have to point this out. If you haven't seen it, um, AJ he made, he made a tremendous video blog regarding his trip there. If you want to see it from his perspective, you can on his YouTube channel. AJ can't fail. Um, check it out over there if you haven't already. Um, it's a fantastic video, and yeah, well worth your time to watch. And uh, He's on Patreon too, so we're at, at patreon.com slash ajcartfail. So if you want to back AJ in any of his future gaming projects and whatever he wants to do, because he changes about once a month on this, but you never know. <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'd love that joke, trust me. Um, back him on there. Um, he's, he's still a good friend of the show, and uh, give him your support, because uh, you know, it really helps him out when it comes to making this sort of thing. So, oh, yeah. yeah but, see, he's going back to Switch as well, apparently, according to Jason. So, yeah, you know, back him, for God's sake. He's a good friend of ours. Oh, yeah. And the race itself happened, and it was very good. Um, some of the highlights... Bill Oberlin took his 60th career IMSA win that now ties the record with Scott Pruitt. That was in GT Daytona. 
Risi Competizione, and their Ferrari. Their second appearance of the season, they win the GTLM class, and the number 31 Wheelan Engineering Racing Cadillac DPI VR wins the race outright, and then makes an enemy along the way. Yep, because right in front of my very eyes, Pipo Durrani just cleaned the 912 out into the final chicane. But to be fair, it wasn't all bad for the 912 Porsche because Earl Bamber and Lawrence Vanthor won the GTLM title. Yeah. It still doesn't fix it. I'm still pissed on Maine. Vanthor gave me one of the better quotes after like their pre- post-race press conference where I asked him, it's just like, you know, you've won your class at Le Mans. You're a Blanc Pan Grand Slam champion. You're an IMSA champion. Is there anything left that you haven't accomplished? And he told me, um, you know, once... I, I joke with Earl that once we win Daytona, I'm just going to retire from racing and get fat. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, Van, sounds good. Vantor is one of the most wholesome pairings. You know what's another oh wholesome my. pairing? Simon Pagino and Juan Pablo Montoya. Oh my god. The banter in that post-race wall in session was so good. Juan Montoya and Dane Cameron, who... In the case of Cameron, probably the most underrated top-level endurance racer ever. Um, Both of them become IMSA Premier Class Champions, another title in Montoya's Hall of Fame CV, and a third IMSA title in the Unified Era for Cameron. Oh yeah, and blood, sweat, tears, lose to Penske. Yeah, the 31 did everything right, it won the race, and it still wasn't enough. Also, both Mazdas blew the fuck up. You're all surprised. Again? (sighs) Both catastrophic fuel injector failures. Okay, when the Mazda is an inline four and it's going by and it sounds like a Corvette, there's a bit of a problem. (laughs) Yeah, it was so much of a problem that that's when their president of the motorsport operations decided, I'm going to take a different job. President (laughs) of IMSA. John Doonan has succeeded the retiring Scott Atherton. Who we got to meet for a moment. Yes, we got to meet Scott Atherton, who, if you've never seen him in person, does look a lot like a Patrick Stewart doppelganger. (laughs) He really does. Yeah. Really, though. I mean, what what a way to end a career for Scott. Great race, and he's done, he's done such a good job in just improving the health of sports car racing in the Americas. And I think John Doonan is the perfect person to replace him. He really is. He is someone who is very engaging. He's very open with the fans. He's a perfect fit. And thank goodness they didn't just get another NASCAR guy to run the show after Atherton stepped down. Yeah, this was an amazing trip. I'm very saddened that we didn't get to do all the things that we set out to accomplish, like a special episode of Motorsport 101 from the Airbnb, which was much nicer than we had ever anticipated, by the way. Yeah, Steve did a brilliant Apart- job with that. You know, I-, I could I could take or leave, like, the ultra-squeaky top bunk bed that I was given, but, hey, it's... <laughs> now, why would the squeakiness uh, be a I problem, RJ? <laughs> Ooh. Uh, uh, no, that, that kind of activity was not happening. <laughs> I wish it was squeaky for that reasons, but no, it was just myself. <laughs> you, could have, you could have said that better. I'm, 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 I'm just saying. 
There, there I was just adjusting my own spring rate. Um, yeah, yeah that, that, that's totally what it was. Anyways, yes, in conclusion, fantastic trip. Thank you so much to RJ, to Chris, to Steve, to Adam, to David Land, who, as it turns out, in person, is basically my IndyCar-loving twin. Yeah, he is much better than his YouTube persona gives off. Um, um I, it was good to meet him. It was good to meet everybody that I met up with. Um, it was a great, great time. I would happily do this again in a heartbeat. Why can't we do it next week? Cam, why can't we just get Johnson to come over? <laughs> <laughs> Look, wh- whatever the future holds, we need, it won't be the last time we all meet up. No, I'm, I'm, I'm G for one that ease at some point. Drake, come to America. You gotta meet your boy. Oh, he invited you. I, I really, I really do owe <laughs> yes. him twenty at this point now, don't I? Ugh, one day. If one I met day. my IndyCar boy, you gotta meet yours. I do. Yeah, considering things did not go so well for him in a land down under, because learning new things is hard. Who'd have thought it? <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. What can you say? But uh, but uh, no, you're very much true on that one. I I, I kind of owe I owe IndyCar one at this point, and uh, I promise I will at some point. After this quick musical interview, because we've got on for a while here already, um, and we've already had one off the record microphone failure on my part. Hooray! <laughs> After that, we'll be back to talk about Formula One's Japanese Grand Prix, which was a surprisingly interesting affair, but not for the reasons you think. See you off the break. Well, this weekend in Japan very nearly didn't happen. Um, this was this was touch and go um, the whole weekend through because sadly Japan was uh, hit by their biggest typhoon in a generation, so to speak. Super yeah. Typhoon Hagabus rolled in. Um, the surrounding areas of Suzuka were very lucky not to get the brunt of it. Uh, Saturday, once the storm actually passed over central Japan, other parts of the country not so lucky. I oh, know Tokyo. Tokyo got hit real hard. Yeah, obviously, our thoughts go out to everyone affected. Absolutely, um, yeah. I think six people lost their lives, and I think a fair few more are still missing, unfortunately, which is awful to hear. Um, I know Tokyo got hit real hard um, during that. It's not this wasn't just the only sport ineffective for those rugby fans out there that are in for the Rugby World Cup. Um, two games. Uh, I actually think three games total were either were were just cancelled straight up because of the threat of weather. So, yeah, it's it's, it's been a rough weekend. Obviously, far beyond the sporting realms we normally cover, but uh, it did have an effect on the Japanese Grand Prix weekend. We didn't get a Saturday. Saturday was just gone. They ended Saturday. Yeah, Saturday was. It wasn't only completely cancelled, but teams more or less sealed up the garage. And had to do everything in their power to prevent damage to the track facilities. Yeah, they had to sandbag everything down. Um, basically, the whole place was on lockdown on Saturday. There was a curfew put in place, um, obviously for you know compliance sake and whatnot. But yeah, absolutely, it was a uh, it was a rough one to say the least. Um, and yeah, uh, they had we did not get any Saturday running. They were going to. Uh, 
run qualifying on Sunday morning. Instead, we've not not the first time Japan's done this. Basically, this is a track. Unfortunately, with the with the time normally October time where they run the Japanese Grand Prix, it has a knack of being right in the middle of the most susceptible time that Japan gets typhoons. It's not the first time they've had to run qualifying on a Sunday. I think it's happened three or four times since we've had the Japanese Grand Prix for Suzuka. Um, and not to, actually third time. Thanks, James, um, in the Discord comments. And you know, we, we you can who can forget Fuji in two thousand and eight, where we had a washout on Sunday, and it was one of the wettest Grand Prix ever seen. Yeah, and uh, this is not this is not just exclusive to the Japanese Grand Prix. Nope. The six hours of Fuji in twenty thirteen, I think, ran six laps. Six laps, yeah. all of them under safety car. Indeed. Yeah. In, in- and the Japanese motorcycle Grand Prix as well is coming up. Indeed. So, yeah, it's happened uh, quite a few times, unfortunately. So, as a result, we didn't get any Saturday riding at all. Track was on lockdown, curfew, sandbags were up to protect the uh, facilities and whatnot as best they could. Um, Roman Grosjean built a six-wheeler. He did. And we had a big FIFA tournament in uh, on Instagram with uh, Max Verstappen bringing his PS4 and FIFA 20 along for the ride. Hey. <laughs> though, though, I should note... There is a particular reason uh, why Japan why... has all these events right around the same no, area. No. Why the Japanese Grand Prix didn't start getting rained out until recently. When oh. I say recently, all three times occurred in this century. It never happened before no, right, this right. because uh, they moved the race up on the calendar. The race used to be either the last week of October or the first week in November, and in 2000, they moved it to the first week of October. <coughs> and the reason why is because this falls really on the same weekend as a Japanese holiday where there's a lot of people out and about. There's a lot more, there's a lot more people to make money off of. Mm-hmm. Rather than just being where it used to, it used to be. Which was, it used to be the season finale, wasn't it? Hi, Alan. Hi, hi, Ayrton. Right now, it'd pretty much fall where uh, the Mexican Grand Prix is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, which is in a couple of weeks' time. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Just like I said, we had qualifying on Sunday, and to everyone's minor surprise, Sebastian Vettel was on pole. Sebastian Vettel had enough. <laughs> Yeah, in case you forgot that Sebastian Vettel during those uh, title years was was really good at Suzuka, yeah, he's still really good at Suzuka. His run through the first sector was re-goddamn-diculous. Yes, career poll number 57 for Red 5, so to speak. Um, yeah. Come on, just 12 more, Seb. 12 more. Indeed. Comfortably qualified ahead of his teammate, Charles Leclerc, on the front row. Against a Ferrari locking out the front row ahead of Valtteri Bottas, who actually out-qualified Lewis Hamilton by nine thousandths of a second. Uh, very close in the fight for second in the end between Leclerc. Not as close as it was on the third row. Yes, Verstappen and Albon qualified with the exact same time. 127.851, accurate to three decimal places. Uh, Alex, Alex Albon, take a bow. Good job from Alex Albon there. Um, in case you guys didn't know, in the event of a tie, whoever sets the lap first gets the higher position. So Max Verstappen uh, ended up taking fifth on the grid ahead of Alex Albon in sixth, despite setting the exact same time. Um, so just in case you didn't know, now you do. Um, t- Hareth97 has entered the chat. Oh, yes. <laughs> you and James had the exact, the exact same, same thing at the exact same time. 
You couldn't have timed that good. one any more perfectly. That was, uh... I wasn't even looking at the chat at the time. That's amazing. <laughs> That's the point. It, it couldn't have happened at the exact same time. That was genius. <laughs> we here at the Motorsport 101 Network are all secretly on the same brave, brave we're, wavelength. We're all symbiotic. We're all patched into the same network, clearly. <laughs> also amazing, we're kept, but for the wrong reasons, we're Kevin Magnuson and Robert Kubica not even finishing their lap times, as Robert Kubica did his best impersonation of Timo Glock in this event in 2009, and Kevin Magnuson also binned it. So they were starting from the back and the pit lane, respectively. That went full Montoya in 2005 when he binned it on the opening lap at the final corner. Ooh, that's an ugly one. <laughs> Big ugly. That was an ugly one. So, so later on, literally a few hours later, it's race time. Um, and, uh, oh no, that's a Ferrari going into a side pod. Oh no, that's Verstappen in the grass. Oh no, that's Charles Leclerc that's hitting. Oh crap. <laughs> and holy Moses, Valtteri is gone. Yes. Valtteri got Valtteri the start of ages. <laughs> yeah, god tier start from Valtteri Bottas off the line. Like, Vettel actually did... The old trick of rolling the car forward about three feet off the line, stopping himself, and then getting going again. Didn't get a penalty. Yeah. Somehow. Um, this is actually consistent, because mm. Signs did the exact same thing in Austria, I believe it was. Uh-huh. There was no penalty given. So it appears that there is some kind of interpretation in place where if you don't... If you jump the start and then stop yourself without exiting your box, you should be good. I yeah, guess that's that's pretty much was their ruling. The fact that uh, while he did move, he did not leave his start box. Yeah, um, so you can also make the case he didn't really gain an advantage by doing that. If um, anything, he lost. Yeah, if anything, he lost out for obvious reasons. He was beaten to turn one by Valtteri Bottas, and he took off. Um, so uh, yeah, um, that will have to settle for second. Um, Charles Leclerc understeered into the side pod of Max Verstappen at turn two. Um, he, he did what Hamilton did to Rosberg in 2015, only far more ham-fistedly. Yep, ran into the grass, and then some. Basically, yeah, he basically cleaned Verstappen out, and Verstappen had to retire due to the damage on his car. Yeah, but not before Verstappen, realizing that Leclerc was about to pass him for 16th with DRS, moved right over to the other side of the track to try and block him off. Yeah, Max was big mad on the radio. Max was big mad, and to be fair, for once we can completely understand why he got yeeted off on the on the opening lap in a race. Yeah, and this was this wasn't even a oh that's that's good old fashioned hard racing. Leclerc just cleaned him out. No, it was. It, I'm worried about Charles. Yeah, Charles has been off. I don't for know a if he, I don't races. know if he's been gripping too hard since he won that first race in Belgium, thinking this is easy. I can do this all the time. And once he realized that. Once Singapore and Russia kind of put him back to earth, it feels like he's been kind of pressing a bit. At least that's my interpretation of it. That and going rogue on the radio for multiple races in a row. Doesn't help. Including this one where yeah, they asked him to pit because, because his front wing was just shedding parts. Parts that almost hit Lewis Hamilton in the head. Yeah. Parts that got stuck in somebody's brake duck and ruined their race. Yeah, the damage to the, I believe it was the left front of Leclerc's wing, the left-hand end plate, 
That splintered off on the run down to 130R and hit Lewis Hamilton's halo, causing damage to multiple appendages on the Mercedes and giving Lewis Hamilton a face full of debris. Yeah, that was a very lucky escape. Again, thank God for the halo, etc. Um, Charles, in the end, would finish the race in sixth place, but he was given a 15-second time penalty. Well, technically two separate penalties. Five seconds for the collision with Max Verstappen that was uh, that was given after the race finished, and then 10 seconds for not pitting to uh, repair the damage. It was a weird one because, according to Jenny Gow on Twitter, she, she spoke about this at length because she had a lot of questions about this, they were going to box the Ferrari. So they, like they said over the radio, they were going to box the car. Um, then, hence why the FIA did not pull out the the uh, the pancake the flag. Meatball flag, the meatball yeah, flag, the meatball as they call it. Yeah, the uh, black and orange flag to obviously repair a damaged vehicle. The FIA felt like it wasn't, you know, it didn't need to uh, put the flag out because they they heard over the radio that they were going to box the car anyway. Leclerc then doesn't park the car. He keeps going with the damaged vehicle and. This, to clarify what happened, on lap, on basically the end of lap two, one into lap two, the team tells Leclerc to pit, and then they made the decision over the radio, and literally at the last second, stay out. Then the next lap comes in, and they kind of went back on the, that decision at that point and tells him to come in, and by that time, the debris had fallen off, struck Hamilton's car, and like Leclerc pretty much says, Guys, it doesn't feel that bad. We should continue, and they continue on for another lap. And then they realize that they then they realize they definitely have to come in. And then they then they finally come in the pit, but it's too late. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then a clip of him driving one hand to try and hold his mirror on does the rounds on social media, which goes with everybody to complain that one thirty R just isn't as challenging as it used to be. Bruh, I don't care how much grip or downforce you have. I am not taking that at full throttle. And if I'm ever in that yeah. car in real life, oh my you know, god, they can take a all corner. The people, like all the people who bitch and moan, people for years said, "Oh, why is an F? Why don't we have these faster cars? Why are they right. so slow?" <laughs> and then when they make them grippier and faster and better looking, they complain that they're too grippy and too fast through some corners. Make up your goddamn mind. Yeah, you can't have faster cars and then complain that, you know, the downforce that makes these cars so fast isn't exciting enough for you. Yes, you could take a, you could take 130R now at 195 miles an hour flat out. That, in theory, sounds terrifying! <laughs> like Yeah, and also, um, is these guys are paid the big money to do that. You're not. Again, why do we need the placebo effect that this sport needs to be basically like wacky races for it to be deemed entertaining? I will never understand. Um, yeah, ironically, I am making this take as I am drinking out of a Coca-Cola bottle that says, Share a Coke with Jordan. <laughs> Coke for it. <laughs> Coke for it. Indeed. So Charles Leclerc got, ended up ended up dealing with 15 seconds of time penalties as a result of that. As mentioned, five seconds for the collision with Max Verstappen and a further 10 for driving in an unsafe condition after the collision. Um, that would drop him from 6th to 7th. Not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. Um, although, it actually was important, but I'll tell you why at the end of the race when we go through the results. Trust me, I'll, I'll get back to you on that, I promise. But uh, the main race at the front was, was it was a pincer movement. It was the two Mercedes versus Sebastian Vettel. Um, and... 
I'll say it was not much of a race in hindsight because while the Ferrari certainly had the pace in qualifying, mm-hmm. Mercedes had ridiculous race pace. Especially as the as it turns out, as we were racing, um, it turns out the tire degradation was a lot higher than what the teams had initially predicted. So it turned it into a bit of a tire saving race, and we all know Mercs are super strong on those sorts of races, and that's basically <coughs> what we got here in the end. It, it turned into a tire management two stopper sort of race, and um, it, it didn't go down well in the camp of one driver in particular. I'll give you a hint. Um, he likes vegan food um, a lot, and uh, he's took everyone. Beat him over the head with a stick over that. Um, yeah, it's some guy called Lewis Hamilton. You may have heard of him. Um, for once, it didn't go his way. What a shocker. Um, and, yeah, he was put on a more conservative... He was actually put on a more aggressive two-stopper that cost him track position. He had to reel in Sebastian Vettel towards the end of the race itself. And Vettel put the ball up. At, at the risk of my own life, he held up under pressure. He stopped Lewis Hamilton in his tracks. Indeed. That was really good defensive driving from Vettel, who in the past year or so has not always been the best when it comes to defensive driving. Indeed. It's it's one of those things. He's, he, he's been criticized for it, but that was excellent racecraft. Um, yeah, and, and, and again, ever since the car was corrected in Singapore, Vettel has looked like a different man. Indeed. He's looking... A lot more solid. Um, yeah. At, at the risk of my own life, yes, James. I will now be shot by Dre for insulting Vettel. No. No, it's, it's the way the last year has gone, it's a perfectly valid complaint. Um, but no, this was another solid drive from Seb. He, on paper, he probably should have finished this race in third. Um, so second is a nice bonus. Um, well, not to mention... The thought was that they might have put Lewis on a one-stopper, but as we know, Mercedes, ever since the uh, the Civil War of Rosberg v. Hamilton, they mirror their two-driver strategies more often than not. Yeah, they're not gonna they're not gonna split them up now. Why would you? You've got the race leader in front. You know why would you mess that up? Um, they've never done that before. Um, Louder uh, for Mattia in the back. Uh, <clears throat> uh, oh my lord! Um, uh, Even though. Even though, as the race was playing out, it seemed like they had Lewis on a one-stop strategy and backed out. They did. Yeah, that they did. And they, they, they just made out of it. him very angry on the radio. Yes, literally said, and I quote, "It's a fuck up." Um, basically, um, and uh, I know a lot of his fans were very upset on Twitter after the race result came through, basically saying that Merck's turned the one-two into a one-three. Um, they did though. They did. They did they but did. also, didn't didn't everyone bitch at Ferrari for doing exactly this? Yeah, but in but, reverse. But it's different when it's my favorite team that does it. When it's my least favorite <laughs> team, it's fine. Funny how life do that. Yeah, it's funny. Like again, it's the, it's the perennial joke to uh, basically uh, turn Ferrari into the punching bag. But when Mercs do it, it's a okay because they're the popular ones on social media. Um, it wouldn't matter in the end in the grand scheme of things. Again, I'll tell you why in a minute. But, hey, we haven't talked much about the man that won this race by 13 seconds and drove flawlessly. Valtteri Bottas with, with another victory in, in, in the end for him. A great drive. Bottas broke out the super beat him down. This, yeah, he was, this was his best race of the year by far. Comfortably. Uh, certainly since Australia. Purposes of the porridge was warm. Uh, he looked confident. 
I wish it was there earlier on this season, but it's great that he is not completely fading in the second half. And of course, he's pretty much done the job, which we'll discuss very shortly. Indeed, um, a comfortable 13-second win in the end. And shout out to him for his dry sense of humor, because on the radio after his victory, he messaged the team saying, uh, James, it's Valtteri. Um, well done. <laughs> Turnabout is fair play. I, oh my god, you saw the Bose uh, headphone sketch where they had him go incognito at a Bose uh, signature store? I did see that. As a sales rep named James. Valtteri is very low-key, a very funny, very dry... He's got that very dry sense of humor that us Brits have as well. He's very good he's, at that. He's more like Minka Hakkinen than Kimi is in that absolutely. regard. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Like... Like, Kimi Raikkonen is more accidentally funny. Valtteri is actually just witty. And I, I, I appreciate that about Valtteri. And I would never have thought to reverse the infamous meme of his seconds after winning the Grand Prix. Very clever stuff. Um, so fair play to Valtteri on that one. I was impressed by that one. Let's go over the results. Because there's a lot to get through here. Some interesting observations. If we're looking at this on Wikipedia, you may, be, you may have noticed something. Wait, was this meant to be a 53 lap race? And I would say, yes, you're oh right. Oh my god. Yeah, um, how is this, like, how has this happened a few times? Winnie Harlow, you are forgiven. You were never to blame Exonerated. to begin but you are forgiven. Exonerated completely, yes. This is meant to be a 53 lap race. Unfortunately, the result was taken at the end of lap 52, because uh, the checkered flag signal was shown to drivers one lap too early. And according to the F1 rulebook, if that happens, the race is over. You take your result right there, and then if the checkered flag is shown, and that's what happened, one lap too soon. So it ended up being a 52-lap race. Remember that. It becomes very important later. <laughs> Yo, what's to stop somebody from just waving the checkered flag after the first lap because they just want to go the fuck home? That can happen. <laughs> that theoretically could happen. It's just like, it's lights out and away we go. They're waving the checkered flag. It's an official race. I wave the checkered flag. We can go home now. Oh, so, so, for everybody. Let's go home. So, I, I feel like there's an Into the Barrier video brewing here. <laughs> yeah, very much so. As mentioned, Valtteri Bottas wins the race by 13 seconds over Sebastian Vettel in second. Lewis Hamilton couldn't get around that red car in the end in third. Alex Albon in fourth place, his career-high finish for Red Bull, um, winning what we call the very distantly far back best of the rest chase. Um, um, Alex Albon is doing everything to secure that Red Bull seat for next yeah, year. Yeah, he really is. Great drive. Including atoning for uh, for run-ins with Lando Norris. In, in, oh, uh, yeah, that yeah. did happen. Yeah, he... Uh, that, was a, that was a serious yeet. It was a massive dive bomb into the final chicane on Lando Norris. He ran Norris off the track as a result of it. He just and about Senna made it. approved. Yeah, it was it was a Senna special into the final chicane, and he, he sent it, and it just about made it work. And we got a very funny, awkwardly timed apology in the uh, driver's pen of the media after the race, where they were both interviewed together at the same time, and then being Norris the was surprisingly chill about it. Yeah, for their best mates, it helps you know? that they're friends. Yeah, remember he like him, Albon and George Russell literally grew up together. You know, so I'm not entirely surprised that uh, they, you know, they 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 had a very laid back view of it. Nobody got hurt, you know, and and whatnot. And 
yeah, yeah. It, it was okay. You know, it, yeah. it, it was a bit aforementioned. <clears throat> yeah, the aforementioned Lando Norris was, as RJ mentioned, also affected by the Charles Leclerc debris problem because he had a chunk of Ferrari go into his brake duct. Yikes! That's not good. That's very not good. Yeah, so uh, he very pulled in. He pulled into good. the pits with his car on fire. Amazingly, they got it back out. Indeed. They all got, they got it working. And if you haven't seen it, check it out on the onboard um, montage they have on the F1 YouTube channel. It's uh, quite quite startling, actually, that that happened. Um, is, uh, is that supposed to be on fire? I don't no. think that's supposed to be on fire. Probably not, no. But, uh, yeah, great drive from Alex Arbol in fourth. Easily his best in F1 to date. He finished ahead of Carlos Sainz once again in fifth place. The man's a warrior. <laughs> McClay, he had pace. He was keeping up with the front runners for much of this race. Yeah. We were all talking about, like, signs finishing fourth or hell even on the podium if things went even further sideways. For, and and yeah. this while McLaren, at this point last year, was falling into the clutches of Williams. Indeed. A great drive from Carlos signs there. Very, very impressive indeed. <laughs> we can't. We keep seeing all these other drivers have great drives, and Carlos Sainz keeps upstaging them. Fifth, again, and again, and again. He's like a jackhammer. He just keeps pumping out fifth places here and there. He is literally the best of the rest right now. Um, he's doing a brilliant job. It ain't job. close. It is not close either. Um, Daniel Ricciardo is finished in sixth in the end. Again, only five dudes are on the same racing lap by the time it was all said and done. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we I think, think, I think, I think, that is I, a I very tentative. That is a tentative sixth place. I, I, yeah, I think we're gonna have to jump into this because uh, Daniel Ricardo is currently classified sixth. Nico Hulkenberg is classified tenth. But depending on how the outcome of this FIA hearing goes, which is happening as we speak, indeed. yeah, it's happening right now. We could get this news break later on in the show. Uh, this result may not stand. And in a worst-case scenario, some other results from Ricardo and Hulkenberg may not stand. Tyrell has entered the chat and got booted out of the chat, and all of their results were taken away. Oh, my lord. Can you say break bias Ghazi? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we, for, we need to unpack this for me. I, I, yeah, I, I, um, I thought it was quite hilarious that Racing Point and Renault were having quite a banterous uh, chat about their fights through the field in that race. Only for minutes later, for Racing Point to go, oh, we've launched an official protest against Renault. <laughs> yes, after they, they the year after, and... they have, year after Renault launched that protest against Haas that arguably cost them fifth. There is always a bigger fish. The midfield are literally laughing with each other while they hold knives <laughs> at, their, at each other's throats. <laughs> oh dear! It's okay, yeah. but like to unpack it, uh, yes. Uh, the F the FIA received the protest from Racing Point about the legality of both Renault cars, which also included a 12-page dossier about a quote preset lap, a preset lap distant dependent brake bias adjustment system. So in layman's terms, it is a device on the car that will automatically set the brake bias of the car based on where it is on track. Is that good? Well, it is extremely it good, is but it is also illegal. incredibly illegal. Because hmm. that circumvents just about every rule there is when it comes to driver aids. So, it, it falls under, it breaks 
to part of the technical, well, it breaks part of the technical regulations and part of the sporting regulations. Technically, it breaks Article uh, 11.3.1, which uh, it doesn't allow any any powered device to alter uh, the performance of the brake system. Mm-hmm. And on the sporting side of the rules, it falls under that blanket clause, the driver must drive the car alone and unaided. Oh, dear. So, um, yeah, and big trouble. They're in big trouble because there's big doubt as to this system being introduced at Japan. And in theory, any race where this device has been on the car, they could get thrown out of. Which means they could be disqualified wholesale from the Formula One World Championship. Where they are currently fifth with 77 points in the Constructors' Championship. King, get your mans, get all of your mans, get them up out the paint. <laughs> get on the bench. I don't condone cheating. Get. I condone I condone bending the rules, but this is this is, is uh, unarguably cheating. King, is Renault banned from the garden? Uh, I don't know. Someone call James Dolan. I, I demo- Charles Oakley, new Renault team principal. <laughs> <laughs> I demand King eat two dozen bananas as punishment for Renault being potentially disqualified from the championship. Enjoy the potassium poisoning. <laughs> it's like, whoa, why do I need to be punished for this? Like, I, my bet was that they couldn't win a race. They're definitely not winning a race They're now. getting their ass kicked by their customer and their car might be blatantly illegal. <laughs> They're cheating and they can't perform. They're, they're potentially <laughs> building an illegal car to finish no better than sixth on any given weekend. King, King, um, you, you mistake this show for a democracy. Um, <laughs> if, if it doesn't apply for Brexit, uh, it doesn't apply here. Now, <laughs> it, it doesn't apply for Hearthstone and it doesn't apply for the NBA. Moving on. <laughs> So we'll Jesus keep an eye on Christ. that. In, in, we'll keep an eye on that in the coming days as to whether Renault actually may get disqualified from the entire championship. Um, because uh, knowing our luck, it will be announced right after we press export on the yeah. podcast. <laughs> that that just adds to the humor. Um, oh God! I assume like it like if it were to happen, the addendum would just be me being real sad saying. After the recording of this show, Renault was officially disqualified from the FIA Formula One World Championship. And King was seen with six bananas in his mouth. Um, <laughs> why do Don't I eat re- bananas? This is literally the anti-win. This is me winning this is the losing, bet wholesale. This is losing the bet in the worst way possible. <laughs> That's the beautiful irony of it. Um, but... <laughs> So, like I said, that sixth place for Ricardo is under review. More on that coming soon. Uh, Charles Leclerc, again, dropped to seventh after a fastest lap attempt combined with um, the 15 seconds worth of time penalties he had to take on as well. Now, as I mentioned, this is important. He tried a fastest lap attempt. He got caught in traffic and failed. And because Lewis Hamilton got the bonus points... Um, for Mercedes um, in, in third place, uh, that means they got 14 more points than Ferrari, which is exactly the right amount of points they needed to get to win the Constructors' and Championship. And still! 
Yes, Mercedes are now only the second team in history to win six straight Constructors' Championships, and they will be the first to win six consecutive doubles, because mathematically speaking, everybody else is exempt from winning the championship now, except for Valtteri Bottas in second. Mathematically, everybody else is out. So Mercs are guaranteed the double. So, uh, yeah... Mercs are the uh, main history, the first team to ever take six double championships in a row. Other world! It's like what was mentioned about seeing Mark Marquez as the greatest rider the sport has ever seen. We're witnessing the greatest team the Formula One has ever seen. Yeah. We say what you will about them. They're not perfect, and they're not the most popular team in the world, but they are the gold, or should I say... Silver standard um, for Formula hey. One um, at this point. They are an incredible team and outfit, and they've still not even really been close to losing either of these championships in the last six years. We've not really had a consistent threat um, for them since 2014, and they are still punching well above their weight. They are still winning more than half the races every year on the calendar. Um, don't get me wrong, I think this year certainly has the vibe of um, other teams coughing up wins that, that have helped them out. But hey, to finish this, first, this, but you got to finish. Yeah, this season has kind of worked in reverse to the past two, where Ferrari had a miserable first half this year, but in the second half they've been much more competitive. Indeed. And by that point it's already been too late, because Merck's already ran away with it, basically. And yeah, double constructors... Uh, and drivers' champions for 2019. Again, it's just a matter of which Mercedes driver wins the drivers' title. We it's, all know who. It's just engrave it already. <laughs> there is already a uh, you know a, a and, very and of course yeah as it, well um, mm. dedicating this one to their fallen boss Nicky Lauda. Indeed, we saw the red cap with the team celebrations. There it was a lovely touch, and uh, yeah, for Nicky. Um, a, a great touch, and congratulations to Mercedes on them. It's, uh, again, the an impeccable standard of excellence once again, and I'm sure Nicky will be very proud too. As said, uh, we don't know which Merck's driver will win the title just yet. Hamilton has his first championship point at Mexico next weekend. Most likely scenario, if Hamilton wins in Mexico, Valtteri has to be with him on the podium. Otherwise, Hamilton wins his sixth Drivers' Championship at Mexico. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Pretty unlikely given the form book of, this, of the year, but still an outside chance, I reckon. Um, we'll have mm-hmm. to wait and see. The, the maths jilted down a little bit, depending on where Hamilton is, but that's probably the most likely scenario. Um, if Hamilton, Hamilton wins, Bottas has to finish fourth. If Hamilton's second, Bottas has to finish sixth. If Lewis is third, Bottas has to finish seventh and if Hamilton finishes fourth Bottas has to score a point so yeah you know work it out for yourselves basically um but yeah good chance Hamilton wraps it up next week uh, next weekend at Mexico decent chance most likely at Cota on home ground um in eighth place Pierre Gasly in the Toro Rosso good drive from him um good to see him back to something near his best and Sergio Perez was ninth. Now, this is interesting, because... Remember how we said that checkered flag flying early was very important? It was. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. 
on what we thought was the final lap. Technically, lap 52 for those two, lap 53 for us on TV watching. There was an incident on turn two um, of the final lap of the race where Sergio Perez basically turned in on Pierre Gasly at turn two and put himself into the wall and out of the race. Um... However, because as mentioned, the finishing line and the checkered flag was shown one lap early, technically speaking, that incident never happened. <laughs> Hooray! It's a total fabrication that never happened. Indeed. We got yeah. you. It happened on the cooldown no lap. It was even it's even <laughs> stupider. It happened on the cooldown lap. <laughs> but uh yeah, that lap, never lap fifty three, the the official lap of Jonathan Frakes. Yep. Oh. Indeed. Checko finishing ninth instead of being a DNF, or even though he technically would be a finisher, but if he kept his ninth place, because that's where he was when he crossed the start line at the end of his 51st lap. As mentioned, Nico Hulkenberg, 10th for now. Lance Stroll in 11th, Daniel Kvyat, 12th. Lando Norris, as mentioned, Brickdart accidentally caught fire in 13th. Kimi Raikkonen, 14th. Grosjean, 15th. Um... Still, Tyrrell model car, very nice indeed. Um, Antonio Giovinazzi in 16th, K-Mag 17th, the two Williams of Russell and Kibitzer in 18th and 19th, just the one DNF, and that was Max Verstappen, who retired on lap 14 due to car damage from the opening lap incident he had with um, Charles Leclerc, of course. Uh, but... Uh, Championship standings with four rounds to go. What, what, what were you saying there, Cam, real quick? Yeah, and uh, they mentioned he was losing 25% of his downforce on his car from the damage, so there was no point to continue. No, none whatsoever. That's a shitter. Like I said, championship standings with four rounds to go. Mexico up next in a couple of weeks' time. Lewis Hamilton with a overwhelming 64-point uh, lead. Um, going into Mexico. He's actually lost ground this time, but even though it doesn't really feel like he has, because the gap's been around 70 like for the last eight rounds now. It, it's kind of... Uh, somebody did point this out as a, as a fun fact. Since the summer break, Valtteri Bottas has only lost two points to Lewis Hamilton. Problem is that Hamilton had a giant fuck-off lead to go into the summer break with. Well, yeah. yeah. yeah he had the Jonathan Ray first half of the season, unfortunately. Um, so at that point, it didn't really matter how much form he's lost. But yeah, Bottas has actually been very good since the break. But uh, yeah, uh, doesn't really matter now, does it? 64-point lead, as mentioned, a win for Hamilton at Mexico. Um, Bottas has to be on the podium to keep the title alive. Everybody else is now mathematically out of the running. Charles Leclerc still third on 221. Max Verstappen on 212. He's tied with, with Vettel on 212, but... Uh, Verstappen ahead on countback, two race wins to one. Carlos signs. He might he might crack a hundred points for the year the way he's going right now. Seventy six right now in sixth place. He's actually overtaken Pierre Gasly into the true best of the rest position in sixth place. Um, what a championship that man is having! Um, brilliant stuff, from F, Carlos. F one point five is getting beat them down. Yep. Oh, yeah, Lord. Carlos Sainz on 76, Pierre Gasly on 73, Alex Albon is starting to reel them both in, though. He's on 64 in 8th place. Daniel Ricciardo um, is glitching and says he's in 9th place with 42 points. I might be 42 too many by next week. Um, and Nico Hulkenberg <laughs> in 10th on 35 points. He's tied. He's in a freeway tie, actually, with uh, Sergio Perez and Lando Norris. 
They're also all on 35 points each. Hulkenberg breaks the tie with his fifth-placed finish. Constructors, Mercedes on 612 points. They are the, the reigning, now six years running, Constructors champions. They have an unassailable 179-point lead with four races left. Yeah, terrifying stuff. Ferrari starting to gap themselves from Red Bull. They're on 433. They're 110 ahead of Red Bull on 323. McLaren Renault still hovering there in fourth at 111. That fourth place is looking good for McLaren Renault at this point. It's it's almost there, especially given their main threat is under review. Renault in fifth right now on 77 points. Asterisk. Toro Rosso in sixth on 59. Racing Point in seventh on 54. Alfa Romeo on 35. Haas on 28. And Williams still on just the one. Formula One returns at Mexico in a fortnight's time. Uh, and again, first championship point for Lewis Hamilton at that one. And uh, fellas, it wasn't a stunning Japanese Grand Prix, but a solid one. No? It was all right. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. Uh, I missed most of the race. I made sure to keep up with FP1 because Naoki Yamamoto had a time in the Toro Rosso, finishing a tenth <laughs> off of his Formula One tenure teammate Daniel Kvyat in the overall timesheets. Man can drive. Almost like Naoki Yamamoto is a really good racing driver. Yeah. yeah. I made the point that, like, he turns 32 next year, and it's a matter of, one, do Red Bull or the team, soon to be formerly known as Toro Rosso, do they want him? And also, does Yamamoto want to try and chase the F1 dream, or does he want to just keep winning titles in Japan? It's entirely up to him what he wants to do, but... Epi one showed that yeah he's as good as any of these guys. Yeah, he's, he's got, got it. it. Yeah, he's a great. He's a great talent. I just hope age isn't taken into account or anything like that because he's a fantastic talent. And uh, it was pleasing to see such humility from Yamamoto. He seemed like he was genuinely just ecstatic just to be there. Um, and that's and the Japanese fans were overjoyed. Oh god, yeah. They, Every they, time he was out on the track, they really do love their own out there in Japan, and uh, this was no exception at all. It was awesome. Great to flashbacks see. to the Kamui podium. Far oh, twenty twelve, it was a better time. After this quick musical break, we'll be back to talk about the absolute friggin' chaos that all ensued off the track at World Superbikes in Argentina. Trust me, it's a doozy. We going boycott, boys. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to rely on y'all to lay this out for me, because uh, I, I kind of lost track of everything. Uh, what the hell happened? Okay, um, bear with me here, folks. Um, I'm dealing with a cold, but I will do my best to explain this as best I can. Okay, Argentina and where they race in Viticum, this is a brand new track on the World Team of Black Sky, and there has only been there for two years. It's only the second time we've gone to this track in Argentina. This was also complained about last year, where it was said that, you know, the track was lacking in grip, and, you know, it was very dusty, because, it, like, it's like MotoGP's Temas Rio del Hondo track, where it's not raced on very much over the course of a year, so it gets very dusty and dirty, because it's not raced on, it's not very well maintained. And after complaints from the riders at last year's race weekend, 
a lot of the track was resurfaced, especially the corners, right? Now, this becomes important because this, re this, this resurfacing happened very, very close um, to the race weekend itself. Apparently, they were still doing final checks on this as late as Thursday of the race weekend. This uh, is really not good. This is not great, and then it gets even worse when it finds out, oh, wait, Argentina's really hot at this time of year. Um, 40 degree weather. Um, that's Celsius for you guys out there listening in, in Europe. Um, very, very hot weather out there. And when new tarmac is resurfaced, um, if it's very hot, in particular if it's very hot, it um, tarmac gives off a lot of oil um, when it's resurfaced and a lot of fluid. So the track became very, very slippery. Uh, so, so you're telling me... You're telling me they resurfaced the track to make it grippier. But in doing so, they caused oil to seep through the racing surface. Pretty much. It's a bold Precisely. strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it works out for them. <laughs> it was a bold strategy, and it, it didn't it didn't bode it well didn't when on off. when on Friday Laurie Spaz um had a hellacious high side. Um well, you know, looked, I think he damaged his wrist um, in the process. He was declared out for Saturday, but raced on the Sunday, but he still missed race one as a result of it. Um, and Leon Haslam also took a massive high side um, on Friday. Fortunately, he was okay. Now, we get to Saturday. Again, weather is very hot. Um, we have the qualifying session. Avara Bautista puts it on pole position ahead of Jonathan Ray and uh, Toprak Razgatioglu. Um, now... In the paddock before the race for race one takes place, apparently 16 of the riders on the grid, so virtually the entire paddock, got together, had a meeting, and had a gentleman's agreement that they would not race. They basically said that the track was not fit for purpose, and you'd be better off doing both. You'd be better off doing two races, scrap the Super Bowl race, and have both races on Sunday where it's cooler. And hence, less slippery. So there'll be less oil being seeping onto the racing surface. And it'll be, therefore, safer, basically. Now, everybody agreed to this, apparently, including Jonathan Ray. Remember that. It becomes important later. However, when the grid actually took part for race one, 12 dudes still lined up on the grid ready to go for the race, including Jonathan Ray and Alvaro Bautista. They would race on. Six guys pulled out of that race. Those six guys were Eugene Laverty, Marco Melandri, Ryunichi Kianari, Sandro Cortese, Chaz Davies, and Leon Camia. The, the race one would go on as normal. Um, it was a race that was won by Alvaro Bautista by just over a second and a half, um, ahead of Jonathan Ray in top rack in third. After the race... There was a group statement that was released first by Eugene Laverty on Twitter and then by what they ended up self-calling themselves the Vidicum Six. Um, I will read the full statement out here. Bear with me. I'll let you guys be the judge. <clears throat> Racing motorcycles is our childhood dream, our passion and our livelihood. We want nothing more than to line up and give our best when the lights go out. We never want to learn or let down, sorry, I should say, the fans in attendance, the viewers at home, our sponsors, our teams, or our manufacturers. However, sometimes you have to stand up for what is right, especially when it concerns rider safety. 
Below, we have given some background as to why six of us reluctantly took the decision not to race today. 20 minutes before the opening of pit lane, the majority of the riders, 14 out of 18, had a private meeting where we all agreed that we were not comfortable racing with the track conditions here in San Juan. The preferred option was to cancel today's race and go ahead tomorrow with two full-length races under the cooler conditions forecast for Sunday. This option was expressed to the organisation. Again, the majority of riders agreed this was the best compromise. Racing on Sunday rather than Saturday would give the opportunity to the organisers to further clean the circuit and take advantage of the lower temperatures um, in the cooler conditions experienced during the morning's FP3 session, riders all agreed that the circuit was an acceptable condition. It is our understanding that the work due to be done to the track had been severely delayed, meaning the asphalt was only finished in the days leading up to the event. Oh my god. That is a uh, full two-liter bottle of nope right there. This seemingly gave no time for the new surface to settle, and therefore in the extremely high track temperatures today... The tar oils were seeping up through the surface. We understand that it was this oil which likely caused the huge high side of Haslam and sent Baz to hospital. Brackets, both whilst on outlaps. This situation with the Jesus oil. Jesus Christ. Yeah. This situation with the oil was confirmed just 10 minutes before the opening of pit lane when an FIM safety officer involved in the final circuit inspection showed us photos showing the oil seepage they had witnessed moments prior. Our expectation upon viewing these pictures was that there was no way the organization would allow a race to go ahead with such obvious hazards. For several months, everyone has been aware of the conditions we were likely to find at San Juan. Despite this, we arrived to find a circuit that, in our opinion as riders, is not fit for purpose. This was confirmed by an FIM representative who told us that this circuit falls short of the homologation requirements even before the weekend began. There are multiple issues that fall short. Today was our opportunity to stand together as a group and demonstrate that we are only prepared to take the huge risks we do on circuits that meet the required safety standard of 2019. Due to various external pressures exerted on riders and personal interests, our group of 14 became fractured and our voice was not heard. Instead, the six of us were made like a disruptive minority unwilling to go racing, which was just not true. We put our faith in the organisers to make such to make sure that each circuit we visit is fit for purpose, regardless of the challenges they may face in different geogra- geographical locations. Whatever challenges they face, it is our opinion that they should at least listen to the riders and be prepared to adapt to schedule during the weekend if it is in the interest of safety. No one wants changes to happen only because of an accident. We hope that after today, there will be continued and enhanced cooperation between the riders, the teams, Dorna, and the FIM to ensure that rider safety remains the priority in our sport. Now, let's get ready to race tomorrow. Fist emoji. End of statement. Ugh. Jesus Christ. Now, the FIM did actually produce a statement in response um, a day later uh, on, the sun- on Sunday morning. I'll read this one out quickly as well. Following the decision of, of six riders to not participate in race one um, on Saturday, October 12th, FAM wished to provide some clarifications. On the request of the FAM in 2018, the circuit was resurfaced to host in 2019. On Wednesday, October 9th, during the inspection of the track, the FIM safety officer requested 
the circuit management to wash the track to remove the dust that had accumulated during the last days to ensure the safety conditions necessary for smooth running of the round. After an intensive cleaning of the track, the homologation was issued on Thursday during a new inspection. This homologation procedure, valid from Friday to Sunday, is identical for each event of the championship and takes place on the Thursday preceding each race. On Friday evening, during the safety commission meeting, the rider representatives expressed concern over the scorching conditions and its possible effect on the newly laid asphalt. In agreement with all the stakeholders, it was decided that a meeting would be held on Saturday at 12 after FP3 to make a new point on the situation. At this meeting, all riders were happy with the improvement of the track conditions and it was unanimously decided to go ahead with the quality sessions and race. Nevertheless, after qualifying session, six riders decided not to participate in the race two hours later. The FIM wishes to remind that the safety of all riders is its priority and wishes to emphasize that neither the conditions nor the conditions of the track surface at that precise moment justified the cancellation of the race. In addition, and to provide a high level of marshalling, the FIM also provided a seminar for the 150 track marshals on Thursday at the circuit with the support of the National Federation Camel. So there you have it. That's the story, Morning Glory. Um, that's, the, that's a lot to digest. Long story short, the riders had a gentleman's agreement not to race. That was broken. But according to the FIM, they had a meeting and everybody was happy to race. So something clearly got lost in translation here. Um, or clearly there's always some miscommunication going on here because... That sounds like two different stories to me. Uh-huh. Yeah, two completely different stories. Yeah, like the riders having a gentleman's agreement not to race, according to 14 of them, which is the vast majority of the grid. But FIM claiming after FP3, everybody was okay to race. So we got broken tracks. We got picketing. We've got union busting. We've got it all. Yeah, it's uh, it reminds me a lot of the John Boyce episode of Pretty Good about Randall Cunningham and the and the night and the NFL last time they had a players' strike, and it's it's similar where the only leverage the riders would have gotten is if everybody or at least the vast majority decided not to race, and that that was never going to happen. Riders have got too much at stake, in my opinion. They've got yeah, they're, sp- they're always going to serve their own interests in that kind of situation. At least mm. enough of them that you're not going to be able to boycott a race entirely. You you would have to get everybody to unanimously agree for that to work, or like, or it would be have to be like a blatant threat to everyone. Yeah, yeah. It it would ha- it would have had to have been a majority of the riders, yeah. like at least fifty. Yeah, if you got. 14 guys saying we're not going to race, then that would probably force Dorner into doing something about it. Like, 14 out of the 18. We already had two guys not taking part because of, uh, of injury or what have you. Like, Loris Baz wasn't there for obvious reasons. Um, mm-hmm. If you've got 14 guys putting out, you might have had a race cancelled. Because it would be... A- or you might have had a 2005 United States Grand Prix. No one wants this. No, you don't want that as bad as you think. I mean... Whatever happens, this is a black mark on the series. This is a terrible fucking look. Especially given now, both main camps have got two very different statements. And it spilled over onto social media. Um, Charlie Hiscott, who does a brilliant job for British Eurosport, who obviously hosts our Superbike coverage here in the UK, interviewed Eugene Laverty after the race. 
Well, um, obviously he didn't take part in race one, and he called Jonathan Ray spineless, basically. Live on air, he called Jonathan Ray spineless for going back on his word oh and racing. Um, it got worse because some of the, like, Laverty put that same statement out on Twitter. One of the fans on, responded on Twitter saying, it's a shame Jonathan didn't have any integrity. That tweet was liked by Leon Camier. Um It looks like everybody was pinning this on Jonathan, which I think is completely unfair. Uh, is it really, though? He is the champion. Say, he is the like, face the of this champion sport. champion sitting out is a massive statement. Yeah, he is the face of this sport in that series right now. While true, he also has nothing to play for. Yeah. He's already won the you title. Can make, unfortunately, you can make an argument both ways yeah, with this which, one. Which is even more of an argument for him to sit out. Yeah, mm. but... Look. You, you can make an argument either way. It's just a really bad deal for everyone involved. It's a lose-lose. Nobody wins yeah. out of this situation. Like, yeah. Like... I don't think it would have made a difference if Jonathan pulled out of the race. I really don't. Like... I think you need more just sheer numbers in that situation rather than and, say and, the biggest rider sitting out to yeah. trigger something. But I think I think if Jonathan if Jonathan Ray had sat out, it would have convinced a lot of other riders to make the same choice. Maybe mm. it's it's impossible to say for sure. But what I will say is I don't like the fact that people want to give Jonathan a vanity title because he's champion. That his 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 opinion or his action should carry more weight. I think that sets a dangerous precedent. Um, but I do see what also what King is saying in that yeah, because of the fact he's champion, it would probably it probably would mean more if he did sit out. It's a lose lose mm. either way. It's ugly no matter which way you look at it. And the riders, for what it's worth, were absolutely right to put it into perspective. The fastest lap of the race in race one was a 140.7 from Alvaro Bautista. The fastest lap of the race in race two, I think they were doing, I think they were doing 35s or 36s in race two. Um, oh, that, that is a lot of track evolution, Chief. <laughs> yeah. Fastest lap of the race, 140.9 in race one. Fastest lap in race two, 138.0. So uh. they were going. I'd say ballpark figure three to four seconds a lap faster in race two on the Sunday compared to the Saturday. Now, of course, they did clean the track in between Saturday and Sunday in between. So, of course, that's going to play a factor in that as well. But it was apparently, it was apparently, according to people on the track and in the paddock and in the in the in the international journalists, they were saying it was like racing a, a wet tire on slick conditions. It was that slippery out there. <laughs> they were going far, far slower than their true pace. And it showed in, in, in the race itself. As, I meant, as mentioned, Navarro Bautista won a very slow race one ahead of Jonathan Ray. Top rank Razgatioglu in third uh, on the podium on that one. But then race two, higher grip conditions. Jonathan Ray did the double, won the Super Bowl race um, in race two ahead of Bautista and top rank. And then won race two. Um, ahead of a surprise, Chaz Davis back on the podium for the first time um, since the start of the summer break. He was second ahead of Top Rack in third. Bautista was really struggling with getting the bike stopped in race two. He would finish in fifth on that one. Um, Top Rack with three, all three races finishing third. What a boy. Likes, likes that uniform position. 
Um, although the only the, the good the best tweet I heard regarding the situation was Eugene Laverty of the day before the race, where he says, and I quote, "The only good thing about today was hearing Top Rack say, what's the crack?'" <laughs> <laughs> best tweet. Um, and what I like to say as well is that. At the end of the day, it really isn't on any of the riders. No, it's not. It's on the people. It's on the people working on the track. This can't. Ha- this can't keep happening in motorcycle racing. If you- yeah, Silverstone. Yeah, if you because ha- yeah, it's you- it's not like car racing where you know a crash in car racing isn't ever really good. No, but if you're crashing a motorcycle because the track is in an inherently unsafe condition. Someone's going to lose their life sooner rather than later. Precisely. Yeah. yeah. It's extremely dangerous, and it, and it shouldn't be happening, quite frankly. And, yeah, the promoters have got to do better on, on that one. Um, it's, it's not acceptable. And if, if your track is not fit for purpose days out of a race weekend, it should not be racing, period. Um, and if, it's, if, if the surface is giving up oil, because of how hot it is, it, you shouldn't be racing on that surface. It, all it takes is is one enormous accident, and we're having very different questions about this track on the calendar. It's not fit for purpose. Simple as that. And I hope, I hope they can get it fixed because it is on paper a beautiful track. It is a fantastic track of a great location. Um, it's it's a beautiful place to go racing around, but <clears throat> the track is not used enough. For it to justify its existence, especially for a world championship round of this magnitude, that's my opinion anyway. But uh, there, just when you thought there wasn't any more drama to come out uh, of San oh, Juan, no. the Super Sport race. Oh boy, this this was spicy as well. I'll get the winner out of the way. The Great Wall of Jules Fazel came back and he won for the GMT ninety four Yamaha team ahead of Lucas Mahias in second. And Isaac Vignal is getting his first Supersport podium in third. But the drama goes a little bit further down. It's the Evan Bros team of the main title rivals, Federico Caracazzulo and uh, Randy Krimenaka. Uh, Krimenaka... Vignal is his second podium, oh, sorry, by the bad. way, this year. Thank you, thank he, you, RJ. Oh, he just got beat by uh, in the French round by Mahias. Yeah, quite right. Um, of course, I did forget that one, to be fair. Mahias, now, famous for the Mahias rule. Of course, like Lucas Mahias. Um, but yes, there was massive drama at the Evan Brothers team. Um, Federico Caracazzulo criminacked Krimenaka by barging him off during the race on one of the slower hairpin corners which was already controversial enough as is because those two are the two main title rivals at the moment in World Supersports. Um, it got even spicier after the race because Randy Krimenacker, um spoke to British Eurosport after the race and to Charlie Hiscott, and he said straight up, I think my team's giving me a slower engine on purpose. <laughs> oh, boy. Boy. Krimenaka claimed that he was losing three or four kilometers an hour on the main straight to his teammate, Frederica Caracasulo, and to fellow Yamaha runner, Jules Clazell. He couldn't keep up with him, even with a slipstream, was what Krimenaka claimed. Um, again, a very serious allegation here from Krimenaka. And Krimenaka did not hold back. He basically just said, yeah, I think my team's trying to screw me. I think my team favors Federico. Now, 
Evan Brothers released a statement about this on Monday, basically saying, no, we don't favour either one of our riders. We don't. We give them the same parts. We've looked at the telemetry. We will look at it even deeper before releasing a final statement. But they said in layman's terms, they reckon Kriminaka was two or three kilometres slower down to setup and weight difference. Because Kriminaka is a big man. He's a bigger man than Karakazulo is. And the extra weight could be an explanation as to why he lost speed by comparison. I mean, top speed through the, through the traps during the race, Kriminaka was five kilometres slower than the Karakasulo's maximum. Karakasulo was 269 kmh. Kr- nice. Kriminaka, <laughs> that's well spotted, was 264. So Kriminaka's basically accused his team of giving him a slower engine on purpose, and the team's denying it. Oh, boy. Spicy. <laughs> it is very spicy because they are going into the final round of the championship in two weeks' time in Qatar, and Kriminaka holds an eight-point lead over Federico Caracasulo for the championship. It'll be winner-take-all in Qatar between those two. And don't rule out the very slim outside chance that Jules Fazel could finally win a Supersport title. He's still 22 points away. It would take... Oh, man. It would probably take a win and a double DNF from the two Evan Bros boys. But given the way this season has played out, it wouldn't surprise me if something like that actually happened. Um, also, Peep, low-key, third in the World Superbike Championship, Lowe's on 305, Vandermark 304, Top Rack 299. Ooh, that could be interesting as well. Top Rack's got a, a half-decent shot at third overall here. So that could be interesting as well. Um, and as mentioned earlier on in the show, it is now official Top Rack to Yamaha and now Alex Lowe's. To, to the main factory Kawasaki team alongside Jonathan Ray for 2020. It makes sense. Kawasaki you know, had Alex Lowe's winning them the British Superbike title a few years ago. He knows Kawasaki well. He's ridden well for them in the past. And hey, a potential snag for the Suzuki Ray Towers, maybe? Hmm. Um, that could be juicy. Hmm. If they can snag Lowe's for their factory outfit. Could you imagine a three-man team of Ray Haslam and Lowe's? Good God. Stack them up. Stack them up. Like I said, World Superbike season finale um, at the Qatar, in Qatar, at La Salle, October 26th next weekend. Um, the, again, the main fight for third and, of course, the World Super Sport title finale. If you want to see it, on video pass, it's only ten bucks for the rest of the season. Look for eight quid, and for you know a potentially big season title finale, could well be worth a watch. Just saying, yeah. And you get access to all their old uh, and their old archive and library for ten euros. Um, so hey, why not treat yourself? You've deserved it. Um, <laughs> my voice box is now shattered <laughs> after this cold. I'm going to take a quick musical break. After that, we'll be back to talk about news. The Express Edition of the News. Ryan King, what you got on on Formula E testing for Valencia? Formula E testing in Valencia. Almost similar to last year's, uh, <laughs> last year's testing, where uh, BMW looking real quick. Um, Neo 
Why are you running more? <laughs> yeah, they have Oliver Turvey and Mocking Hua for this season, by the way. Yes. Uh, yes, so uh, Turvey's back. They have Mocking Hua because uh, the team's un- under new ownership. Neo has stepped back to just a title sponsorship role. Uh, a lot of people are saying how much faster the cars are, you know, how much faster the cars are in general because. Uh, the testing times are quicker than last year. I think also uh, they reprofiled the chicane they used last year at Valencia because um, it caused a lot of problems last year. Mm. But besides that, pretty much everything that you expected to happen happened. Uh, Mercedes and Porsche are struggling to get to grips in Formula E. Cam, come get your mans. My mans (laughs) will get there. While the powerhouse teams are still the powerhouse teams, with uh, Tachita leading the way in terms of, I believe, mileage overall, but fastest is still uh, the traditional fastest team, so BMW and Virgin are still outright fastest, but a lot of people say uh, Tachita and Audi are the best performing teams. That's they're very interesting. Also, I like uh, BMW's implementation of Blurple on their livery. <laughs> yes, the, the Blurple right. uh, the Blurple livery looks very nice. Now, I have a question for all of you. What do Tank Bowl champions Miami Dolphins have in common with Formula One? <laughs> they are both looking extra strong delicious right now. <laughs> no. Well, they're about to have something Every, else in common. Everyone because longs. The Miami- everyone longs for the good old days. Everybody longs for the everybody longs for the eighties and nineties, the days of Dan Marino and V tens. Bring back the fucking V twelves. Bring back Dan Marino. Bring back Dan Marino. Um, but no, there is the Miami Grand Prix. Remember when that was dead? It's back now, and there's a new proposed circuit right in the parking lot in Miami Gardens of the Hard Rock Stadium. Yay. Oh, yay, I guess, maybe. Uh, oh, my God. Have you seen the renders? Have you seen the track? I have. Yes, I've seen the track. The track, uh, they did very well to disguise the fact that it is, in fact, a parking lot. Um, it, it, it looks like it, it looks racy, but besides that, nothing else really stands out about it. Racefans.net has a uh, a render from uh, from Hard Rock Stadium. Of, I'm which, thinking that this uh, is what the track. I'm thinking that anyone with a Renault engine is dreading this track. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a power track. Oh, it's boy. a long curve straight and a long actual straight. It's all going to come around this place that used to be the most cavernous baseball stadium in all of the major leagues. <laughs> it looks like Abu Dhabi or Motorsport Manager. Uh, I, I, I stand by this. <laughs> it like, looks like someone. It looks like someone mixed Monza and Saatchi is the best way I can put it. That's Does not anyone a good else see thing. That? That's not a good thing for racing. Oh, wonderful! And uh, yay, yay, hooray! I guess if if this if this race is as good as the football product that the owners of the stadium are putting out. Uh, we could be in for a rough one. By the way, before anybody else mentions it, 
Um, we would like to take this time to commemorate Bruno Giacomelli's podium in the 1981 Grand Prix of Caesars. Stop endorsing Josh's bullshit, okay? <laughs> hey, those two venues have a lot in common. Don't both you start. Have, both have hosted... <laughs> Both have hosted WrestleManias. Oh, God. It is true. Uh, Both of them have been massively renovated. Uh, Both of these are parking lots. Especially, both of these are parking lots. MotoGP! Nakagami's sitting out the final three races with shoulder injury. And who did Honda get? Could they possibly bring it in? King! Your man's! <laughs> Johan Zarco. Man's is free now. The return of yeah. Zarco is upon us. I also like how Nakagami is hurt enough that he's going to miss the rest of the season, but not hurt enough that he's going to miss his home race. What a lad! I don't even know what to say about that at this point. I mean, a lot, a lot of people jumped on this, like, "Oh my god, what's going on here? Dak has been better than Cal this year." Calm down. This is a preemptive move from Honda because they've seen what happened with Mark Marquez last year when he had soldier surgery. This is a very similar thing for what's happening with Taka right now. Yeah, yeah, and and Nakagami. For perspective, Marquez's shoulder surgery took four hours. Yeah, it's a long one. It's complicated, and they don't want Taka to do it in the off season where he will miss out on tests. And, you know, have a damaged off-season, which may have hurt guys like Jorge Lorenzo, who was still recovering from injury himself. So well, the idea is that it, it hurt Honda as a whole this year. Precisely. So the best solution to that is basically have Taka sit out now, given he hasn't got an awful lot to play for in the championship right at, at the current you know, at the moment. So basically, step aside and basically... Give your hands Zarko a test run for 2020, maybe at the same time. You know, yeah. try, try before you buy. That's always fun, right? <laughs> try yeah. Before you and buy. Uh, of course, Zarko will be on the 2018 spec Honda, which is a little bit less of a vicious bastard of a bike. But I think. To be fair, th- it's in comparison to the KTM. Yeah. The thing is, the KTM and the Honda are regarded to be very similar in that they're kind of unrideable bastards. But right. the Honda has actual speed to unlock. I think that bike's going to chew Zarco up and spin him out. I think so too. I think it's going to. I think it's going to be a repeat of the KTM. Yeah, I think it's like again, I, I, it's too similar to Honda's riding style. You've got to be a brute to handle that thing, and I don't think that's a good fit for Zarco either. Zarco needs a Honda. Like, sorry, he needs a Yamaha. He needs, say. Yeah, he needs a Yamaha or a Suzuki. Yeah, he no, like don't put him on a Honda. That's not going to work. Um. Well, hey, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but good luck to Zarko on that one. And obviously a speedy recovery for Taka, obviously, after his home round, because of course. Um, but, yeah, uh, he, yeah, he has been very, very good this year. Yeah, he's had a very good job. He's been f- basically begging for uh, a 2020 uh, Honda for next year. He's not quite gotten it yet. And I hope he does, because he's, he's, he's earned it. He's had a very good season. And Cal's not going to be riding around for much longer. Um, although apparently he's walking back on his statement about he's probably retiring at the end of the next season because he's been so ticked off with how bad he's been this year, he, he feels like he has to prove himself. So that should be fun. <laughs> should be real fun. Australia! Bathurst 1000 happened this weekend. Remember that whole thing about American motorsport? What about it? Yeah. And uh, blood. you pour in blood, sweat, and tears, and then you lose to Penske? Applies to Australia too. Scotty McLaughlin, yeah. he did the thing. 
and Alexander Primat. Don't forget JP2 race winner Alexander Primat. But Scott McLaughlin's the main driver, and Roger Penske was in the house to see his guy and his co-driver win the Bathurst 1000. Yeah, and hear this. <laughs> he compared him, Roger Penske compared Scotty to Rick Mears before the race. Four-time Indy 500 champion Rick Mears. That is some high praise. That is high praise indeed. To be fair... To be fair, he has his own award named after us on the podcast, himself on the podcast. (laughs) He is breaking every record there is to break this season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. His first championship point will be in the next endurance round at the former home of the IndyCar Australia round, the Gold Coast 600 at Surface Paradise. Um, Shane Van Gisbergen, close, but just missed out in his first Bathurst win. James Courtney in third. Jamie Winklup and Craig Lowndes in fourth. Very salty David Reynolds in fifth. Uh, Because at the last minutes of the race, there was a late safety car, and they had McLaughlin's teammate Fabian Coulthard back up the field in front of behind him so that McLaughlin wouldn't get double stacked in the pits. God, I love gamesmanship. Which isn't, strictly speaking, legal. Under a whole ban on team orders, which, you know, banning team orders, lol. Mm. But uh, we'll see what happens because there is an ongoing investigation into that. <laughs> Gotta love ongoing investigation. What is it with supercars and not having any result without some variety of spice? <sighs> I think that's just how they do things in Australia. It's a spicy place. Yeah, for the, for the sandpaper. Um, (laughs) (laughs) American supercars y'all Talladega over delivered remember that whole thing about Penske is there a theme this weekend Ryan Blaney won in a photo finish over Ryan Newman and also there was a there was also a giant pile up where journeyman driver Brendan gone flipped over in turn three, right oh, in front of God. a uh, wall billboard that said, this is Talladega, <laughs> which I think is just perfect. If there is, if there is something more on brand, I've yet to see it. It really is. And also they had the Coke Porsches come over from Petite Le Mans to do some laps around Talladega. Coke for it. Just cause. Coke for it! God, that was such a great (laughs) I saw that flip. That was friggin' terrifying. Jesus Christ. Yeah, there was a... And that's the crazy thing. There was a lot of He was about to win that race. Yeah, he was leading when this happened. Wild shit. Brendan Gaughan is in his mid-40s and has not driven a full-time cup schedule in 15 years. He just does this for a hobby now. Pretty much. <laughs> and if I if I could bring up the results for just a second, because uh, this yeah. t- this top ten was uh, fucking insane. Give us the margin of victory, Cam. Point zero zero seven. God. Seven thousandths of a seven second. one thousandths of a second. That's Dega for you. Bl- that and the Blaney uh, wins by a photo finish. Yeah, yeah, Dre. If you could actually, if we could get a live reaction to the finish. Oh my Someone God. find me a video. <laughs> That'll be a good thing to close the show on. Okay. All 49 right. seconds and play. Ne- Neiman outside. Oh, that's a big crash. Oh my God. Just wreck a bug. 
It Blaney by a nose. By a nose. Blaney by less also, than a nose. can we talk about how on brand it was? My statement a couple seconds ago was completely invalid. Because Ryan Blaney was sponsored by Dent Wizard. <laughs> well now. <laughs> God, what an absolute legend. He still hasn't won on the PPG car, much to Cam's displeasure. That is uh, the best looking card. It's so fucking cursed. I've seen a screenshot of the photo finish. I reckon that's Blaney by about 18 inches, maybe less. Yeah. That is that's Blaney by a foot. Not yeah. much I'm more. taking the under on. I'm taking the under on that. Yeah, one. I'll take the under. That was close as all hell. Brilliant finish. Well done, Ryan Blaney. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we got some news in today. It's not the Renault news, uh, but we got a change in the Formula Two entry list next year. HW Race Lab are in. BWT Arden are out at the end of the 2019 season. Arden are going to pursue other avenues. And HWA Race Lab, who were very impressive in Formula 3 this year, are moving into F2. In the grand scheme of things, the HWA Race Lab uh, empire just expands. Yeah, I can't imagine how tough this last few, uh, these last couple months have been for the Arden team as a whole. Of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awful news. Very sad. Um, You know. What can you say, really? That hasn't already been said about that situation and everything everything associated with it. Um, but obviously wishing HWA the best um, on that one and, you know, cool to see them expand. But uh, that is just about everything, really. Um, on this on this two-hour edition, we'll be back next week. Um, I, oh, God, what have we got next week? Um, uh, we've got MotoGP and Mategi. That's the flyovers, yeah. You know, the Marquez coronation times two, I suppose. Maybe mm-hmm. Fabio will beat him this time. Who knows? Yeah, um, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> not, it's not looking likely, folks. Well, and also Marquez now has to take up the task of trying to win Honda another triple crown. Crikey, that's a good point. On its own, effectively, because all getting Lorenzo is... Uh, not yeah, great. Lorenzo ain't doing it, and uh, in regards to the manufacturer title, Cal and uh, Nakagami aren't doing it either. No. Yeah, yeah. Moto, the Moto GP, Moto Two, and Moto Three Mategi. That's your only international event. It's it's looking like a lean weekend. It is a pretty lean weekend. Maybe we'll throw the mailbag back in there for for, for shizzles. Maybe we can build a Tiro P fifty P thirty four. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm going to set up my mock draft for the 100 cricket's new format. That should be fun. Um, I'm, going to, uh, I'm going to yeet Pipo Durrani into the sun. I'm going to ignore the existence of Major League Baseball. <laughs> oh, Lord. I hope I don't have to ignore the existence of Major League Baseball. Oh, I can't. For now. I can't wait for the, for the episode of Rewind where they talk about how the Braves gave up 10 in the first innings. Oh, Lord. Oh, dear. Oh, no. I hate everything. I still love you, RJ. If that means anything, <laughs> please don't walk I love off. You the, too. Please don't walk off the set this week. <laughs> <laughs> that's the walk off. I don't. That's the only walk off. <laughs> 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 oh dear! Wait till RJ's not on next week's show because he's probably not going to be there because he's got family coming around and people are going to start asking questions. <laughs> the the walk off that lasted a week. Indeed. Stephen A, eat your heart out. 
indeed. And we'll be back next week for talk about MotoGP at Mategi. And who knows what comes up between now and the middle of next week. Knowing this show, we'll probably get that Renault decision and we're all going to shit ourselves. Places you can find us one more time. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow us personally, you can at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at RJ O'Connell, at CBuckley917. Uh, and if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to all of our shows. $10 gets you into the supporters club of our Discord server. Uh, thanks again to our new backers for helping us out on that one. Much appreciated. And you can find all of those details on our website, motorsport101.com, including new written articles from me and RJ as well. Check those out when you get a chance. I'm Andre Harrison. It's good to be back. We'll be back next week to talk about MotoGP in Mategi. Until then, thanks for watching. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. Fuck you, Pipo Durrani. <laughs>